Not a matter of if but when a crisis could rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real-world crisis or a ripped-from-the-headline scenario. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. We also talk with public figures and thought leaders who often are in the hot seat. In all cases, our suggestions are meant to help you handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help with your specific need. Lobbyist and former Minnesota Senate Majority Leader Amy Koch joins me today. Amy's experience includes work in the U.S. Air Force intelligence community, business ownership, and seven years as a state senator. Notably, Amy became the first woman to hold the title of Minnesota Senate Majority Leader in 2011. National and international media turned to her for political insights, and she co-hosts Wrong About Everything, a podcast with a bipartisan take on politics. Amy is here to share her thoughts in the case file I call Gun Thoughts. Gun violence is not new or exclusive to the U.S., but its frequency and magnitude in this country hits shocking new heights every year. Uvalde, Pulse Nightclub, Monterey Park, and more recently, 19 people were killed in mass shootings in California in the span of 44 hours. For years, one side argues the right to bear arms under the Second Amendment means regulating guns is a non-starter. The extreme argument on the other side is all guns should be banned. Politics aside, most Americans are looking for a constitutional path that can create more safety and consequences for offenders. Amy, you are well-versed in the politics of guns. Is there a path to compromise? I will say this, and I say this as a 2A supporter with an A rating from the NRA when I was in the Senate, and my dad is a lifelong NRA member. There's certainly a path. I'm not sure in this environment these politicians are going to find that path. It's an incredibly painful debate. Part of the problem is that the solutions presented by both sides are not solutions that would actually solve what is ailing us. It's so much deeper than that. And so I think that's also part of the problem. I think that Americans hear the solutions proposed and after discussion, like well, it, it just doesn't apply. It might apply to one of these situations. It might have stopped. Maybe. We don't know. Um, but there doesn't seem to be great solutions. And as you said, the extremes are really not acceptable to most people in the middle, right? That you just have everything you want all the time or that no one has guns at all. Both of those situations are not going to happen. And frankly, there's too many guns right now in America and so many in the hands of law-abiding citizens that those things are never going to happen. So let's talk about the Second Amendment for a moment, because over the years now, as I listen to arguments, as I've talked in the past on my radio show about this topic, it doesn't seem the Second Amendment bandying that about is the place to go. Because when I really read the words of the Second Amendment, I think we can all agree with that. And they were really made in a time of not the big cities we have today, even more rural areas than we have today. So there is some sort of call for those local militias. We don't really live that life anymore. So I just don't think the Second Amendment is going to get us anywhere. But is there room for regulation? Let's just say it does help the argument for one side or the other. 
is there room for regulation when you strictly look at the Second Amendment? Yes, I think so, right? There's room for regulation around the First Amendment, which is you know, protection of speech and assembly. And we have found things that are unacceptable. You can't scream fire in a crowded movie theater. Right, yet you can burn a flag. In but you can burn a flag. So we have found a way to balance that. I think the key is within constitutional bounds. In leaving the Second Amendment behind, one of the solutions that people talk about is red flag laws. And that seems to make all kinds of sense, right? Okay, well, if someone is red flagged, and what would that mean That's for people who the don't problem. know? Right. So what that means for someone is that, sensibly, I think that someone would say, well, if they've committed heinous crimes, they would be on a list and they would be red flagged. That's, I think, how people think about it, right? Or if there's some sort of deep mental illness, they get flagged. People would maybe say, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. The question is, the details is, the constitutionality and of the question is, who decides? And who Where puts you on a list? list? Kept? I mean, right. no and one's reading my medical list? records. Yeah. So, yes, that sounds really great in theory. The other piece of this that it doesn't seem, other than here and there, you hear one case or one story happens, the mental health situation of anyone who's going to be involved not only just in a mass shooting, but to kill someone else when they're not in the middle of a war, right, when there is no good reason to be in that kind of situation, it is usually going to come down on the side of questionable mental health. Let's just talk federal. What are the federal people doing to address that? Because it seems like we have far more headlines and sensationalism around the Second Amendment or, you know, no guns at all. I mean, that's just not realistic. I'd say they're doing the exact same thing they're doing about immigration, which is to say nothing, nothing. Part of it is, is that this is a political issue for both sides and both sides. I hate to say it, capitalize on it. I don't think that it is intentional. I think that the folks in D.C., really would like to find a solution. But the sides have gone to their corners and they're not coming out and they pull on their politicians and they brook no compromise, no movement whatsoever. I think about after Ronald Reagan was shot and the laws that came about as a result of that. I don't think in this political environment that that would be allowed any longer. I don't think you could come to a solution. I reference back to immigration, right? It was the gang of eight that came together. Both sides of the aisle came out with an immigration solution that I bet most people don't even know what was in that. But most people just said either not enough or no way you're lowering the border and you're letting everybody in. I defy anyone to even tell me what was in their solution. Most people don't know. They just start going up. And and really quickly, a little tangent here, because you were a lawmaker. Why do these bills have to be dozens or hundreds of pages? Like, (laughs) look, I'm a licensed attorney. I don't practice law right now. I use that skill every day. Some of that skill was good writing, as much even more so for my TV career. Pithy writing, colorful language. I think some of these laws, they could be five pages long tops. Well, the problem is also you have a lot of competing interests, whether it's law enforcement on the gun issue, whether it's hospitals, doctors, whether it's liability issues, the bar association, all of these special interests. And I don't use that term derogatory. That is just there are interests that surround the conversation around gun legislation. And there's fear around those special interests Absol- by the politicians? Of course. There's fear and there's pressure. So they add their thoughts, right? And they bring in different statutes. They say, okay, well, but what about the unintended consequences? You're doing this, and then the unintended consequences could leak out over here. So now we have to address that statute and that issue. And then we address that issue, and then we come up with the next special interest that has a problem with the legislation and could have unintended consequences. Some become unnecessarily long, but our federal government has become so vast and in so many parts of our lives that, in truth, the bills are this long because... 
every bill has tentacles in every part of people's lives. And that's just the steady growth of government and impact in our lives. I just think back to being a kid and watching that cartoon, I'm just a bill, you know, just a bill. And that guy was skinny, rolled up. He had eyes. There is no bill today that could be rolled up and be that bill from that cartoon. No, So I think we have to put some sort of pressure. I mean, I say this to my clients all the time. Less is more. Less is more. If you can't tell a third grader what's in your bill, I'm sorry, you got to go back and rewrite. Edits are needed. And that is just like what it comes down to for me, because it shouldn't be that complicated, especially a topic like this. So as much as people go on and on every time there's another mass shooting, first of all, the rest of the world is laughing at us. This should not be happening. This should not be happening. So it just shows us we have been doing something wrong. I look to the federal politicians first to lay the groundwork for some good examples. This is also why this is a whole other tangent. I believe in term limits. I'm getting sick of the entrenched leadership in our country. Oh, boy, there's a bunch of things we could unpack there. What I would say again, kind of getting back to gun thoughts, it, although term limits, if we could talk about Thanks term limits. Thanks for using the title of this file. case file. Yeah, back to gun thoughts. I think that there's also just never been even a really great go at legislation, a bipartisan go at legislation and working within the confines of the Constitution. So both sides just don't want to recognize that. Also, the right will say, because they don't really want to talk about the gun issue, they'll bring up the mental health issue and then they'll be accused of trying to ignore the issue. You cannot ignore mental health in this discussion. They're being real. That's a real part of the discussion. On the other side, the large number of guns, the violence of those weapons and their access to those weapons may be an issue. But both sides can't lay down arms and come to the middle to say, OK, you're not just throwing up a political red herring on this. These are all things that we have to discuss in this context. Yeah. And no one seems to have the courage enough to really have those deep conversations, which sometimes mean you will lose the favor of special interests or your mom. I mean, whatever it is. Well, and more likely your base. And that's the other problem. We go back to the polarization of this country. It goes back to the base and it goes back to things that people don't even think about. Primary elections, caucuses, endorsement battles, behind the scenes political stuff that are all run and overseen by the bases in each party. And the bases have become more and more polarized. Those are the folks that's the process as a politician that you have to get through. And most people yawn, right? They're like, I don't know. I I maybe voted in a primary if it's in the news. Uh, Most people don't vote in the primary election. Most people don't get involved with their local party unit and go to the convention that endorses. But the bases do. And that base and both cases are driving these politicians because and that they, is the, that's that's the, the power is. you have to run through. That's where the power is. And the folks that are involved, they know that. And there's not many. In some cases, for a state house or a state Senate race, you might be talking a couple hundred people. That's it. Yeah. Well, very deep insight there. And reality check, we need to get back to teaching basic civics uh, from a young age, again in junior high, again in high school, again in college. And I think making democracy more accessible. Right. Democracy shouldn't be something that you have to have a three hour training to participate in. And I say that whether it's a precinct caucus like we have in Minnesota, whether it's like a primary, whether it's ranked choice voting, when you have to have a manual on how to vote or participate in the democracy, then you're doing it wrong. You just keep it simple. That's what democracy should be. It should be safe. The integrity of the vote should be kept, but it also should be something that everyone can participate in. Very well said. As always, 
She's a mic drop moment. Thanks to lobbyist Amy Koch for her insights. Want more, Amy? Check out wrongabouteverything-podcast.com. Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Number one, regulation is possible on sticky issues. Note the First Amendment regarding free speech. Number two, leadership is key and risky. Courage is needed, but success can only be achieved with compromise. Number three, make democracy more accessible. Citizens should get involved in primaries. No matter what, vote. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is a proud sponsor of the Crisis Files podcast. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is the area's most active business advocacy organization, playing a critical role in top issues impacting the region, including workforce development, education, housing, and transportation. Make your voice heard by becoming a member of the Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Learn more at mplschamber.com or Google Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Thank you to our podcast producer, Kim Inslee, and our audio genius, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for the show archive plus special videos. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at The Crisis Files. I'm Roshini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files. The Crisis Files.